So this summer, we've been in a series looking at the Psalms of Ascent, a group of 15 Psalms, Psalms 120 through 134, that the Israelites would have sung as they made their way to Jerusalem three times a year for the religious festivals. And many of the Jewish people, they would be traveling great distances through difficult and dangerous environments as they made their way to the temple for worship. And each psalm actually describes part of their journey. But it not only describes part of their journey to the temple, it also describes the journey of faith, our journey of faith. And that's the beauty of these psalms. They were for the journey to the festival, certainly, but they're also descriptors of our journey of faith and discipleship as we follow Jesus. And so today we are looking at Psalm 134, which is the final psalm of ascent. And it was most likely said or sung at the end of the worship service in the temple. It was a closing liturgy. It's like the benediction for the festival celebration. Now in my high school English classes, my teachers would often remind the class to leave the strongest point of our papers at the end. The thing that we wanted people to remember, we wanted that to be the last thing that they would have read. And this brief psalm could be just that, a reminder, a calling to the people, to us about how we're to live, knowing that Jesus has guaranteed the ending of our faith journey while knowing that we are still on that journey, walking as his disciples right now. And as the Jewish people in biblical times were preparing to head back home, this was the last thing that they would sing. And in summary, they would sing and hear, praise God, praise God, God bless you. Those are the words to remember, the words they left with, the benediction, praise God, praise God. God bless you. Now, it is possible to read this psalm, to hear it, and to think, if I praise God, I'll be blessed. Like the psalm or praise is a coin and God is a vending machine. If we praise God the right way, we might think, then God will give us the blessing that we want, the things that we think we need. But God is not a cosmic vending machine. And Psalm 134 reorients our thinking away from this. For the Israelites, they would have been celebrating God and his greatness during the festivals. So as they sang this, it was in praise directed to God for who he is, for what he has done, what he is doing, and what he would do in the future. And this psalm commands us to praise God for those things. And as we do this, we receive God's blessing and then are sent back out into our lives. And so in our time together this morning, I want us to just look at two things, praise and blessing, and how this psalm invites us into both of those things as we live out our faith during the journey we're currently on. So let's look at what this psalm first says about praise. Straight away, it tells us who is to praise the Lord. It's right there in verse 1. Who's to praise the Lord? Go ahead, say it. You can say it out loud. I know you know I can't hear you, but but say it anyway. It's the servants of the Lord. That's right, very good. The servants of the Lord are the ones who are commanded to praise him. And it's written as a command, but we need to look at it not as this demand from God, but instead as an invitation, something that people would be glad to receive, something that they would want to be a part of, 
an invitation that brought joy to the people when they received it. Yes, it's a command, but it's an invitation also given to unworthy people. And so it's an honor and a privilege for those people to come into God's presence to praise him. And all of the servants of the Lord are invited to do this. Now again, for the Jewish people, the servants of the Lord were likely the priests and Levites who worked in the temples. Those who made the daily sacrifices, who kept the fires going during the festivals. And they did that 24 hours a day. But for us, not, it's not just the people who work in professional ministry. It's for all believers, everyone who is on the road of being a disciple of Jesus. We are servants of the Lord. It doesn't matter how long you've been following Jesus or how old or young you are or what you can or can't do or anything else. If you are a disciple of Jesus, if you are a follower of his, you are a servant of the Lord. You are part of the priesthood of all believers. And the apostle Peter puts it like this in 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So we're part of a royal priesthood. We're servants of the Lord, commanded and invited to praise him. And we praise God not to get something out of him, although we often do receive blessing in return as we praise him, but we praise God because of what he's given to us, what he's done for us, his people. For the Jews, they had come to the close of their journey and they had gotten as close to the presence of God as they possibly could. And they could only do that by God's action, by his invitation. And so they responded with thanksgiving and praise. And so praise is our response to God for who he is, what he's done, and what he's given us in Jesus. And as we just read in 1 Peter 2.9, we're told we praise God because he has called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Praise is the way of showing gratitude to God for the life and salvation that we have in and through Jesus Christ. Praise isn't something we give in order to get. We praise because of what we've already gotten, God himself, and a full and right relationship with him in and through Jesus. And all of this is because God moves first. All of us who are on the journey of faith are there because of what God has done from the beginning, because of God's work, because he always moves first, pursuing us in love. And so this psalm tells us who's supposed to praise the Lord, and it also tells us when we are supposed to praise the Lord. Now, I, uh, I came to the realization that I have been in student ministry for over 20 years, and I have survived, endured, and even enjoyed over 25 high school lock-ins. And I can say from experience, working through the night is not always easy, nor is it always pleasant. And this psalm, it is about unceasing praise of God. In fact, in Tim and Kathy Keller's devotional book on the Psalms, the devotional on Psalm 134 says this, the greatest thing is to live in God's presence, always singing thankfully, in our hearts to him. That means even in the middle of the night, through the night shift, when it seems difficult or even impossible to praise God. 
The priests and the Levites who worked the night shift, they could be tired, and so their praise might be listless. The psalm commands them to praise with all of who they are. Maybe working the night shift, they felt like they didn't get the recognition that people who worked in the morning did. And so they were working in obscurity, taken for granted, not getting the credit that they thought they deserved. And so maybe they were resentful over those things. And so praising God seemed difficult. But the psalm still commands them to praise God with all of who they are. And we see throughout scripture that night also is used to describe situations when things are clearly not the way they are supposed to be. So for servants of the Lord today, for you and me, we're to praise God even in the midst of 2020 and even in the midst of struggles that would be difficult at any year in any time. And that seems really difficult and unrealistic maybe even with the struggles that most of us are dealing with. Praise probably is not the first thing that comes to our hearts, that comes to our minds or comes out of our mouths. But this psalm tells us that we need to praise God even in those moments. And the fact that it mentions and recognizes that there will be night should be a powerful proclamation to us about how powerful it is for us to praise God. It recognizes that there will be night, both figuratively and literally. And it doesn't tell us to pretend that night, our difficulties aren't there. But it tells us that even in the midst of the night, we are invited and commanded to praise God. And the reason that we're commanded that is because God's blessings never change. His blessing is constant. Although we are still sinful people, we're also still saved by grace through faith in Jesus, and that never changes. Our journey of discipleship, even in this difficult time right now, is still by God's gracious action. And because this is true, we can praise God even in the darkest nights of our life. But how? Like we realize when we are feeling defeated and down and struggling, how can we praise God? Verse two gives us the way to do that. Now, when I was on a high school trip, whether it was a mission trip or a retreat, I don't remember which, but we were broken into random small groups. And each group on this trip had a time of doing an affirmation circle where each member of the group had to sit in the middle and everyone else in the group had to say really nice things about them. It's an awkward thing sometimes, but it's also a really wonderful thing. Well, we knew ahead of time that we had to do this. And for most of the people in my group, that wasn't going to be too difficult for me to say nice things about them. But there was this one guy in the group who I really did not like. And so I knew a few days ahead of time I had to say nice things and I'm racking my brain going, what am I gonna say about this guy? He's a jerk. And so, you know, thankfully the Holy Spirit gave me some words to say and in the affirmation circle, I was able to affirm him even though it was initially very difficult. And what I found is as I affirmed this guy, my feelings towards him changed. Now we never became best friends but in my perspective, our relationship did change for the better. I was forced to say nice things about him. And even though I did it begrudgingly at first, God still worked in my heart to change my attitude towards him. What I had to do changed my heart. And in verse two, we see that we are to lift up our hands in praise. 
It's this physical action that can reshape our thinking and reshape our heart condition. God has created us in amazing ways and our spirits and our bodies are intricately connected. And so when we move ourselves into postures of praise, even when our hearts don't feel like it, most of the time our hearts will move in conjunction with our bodies into praise. Now, as a Presbyterian pastor, and perhaps as many Presbyterians out there hearing this, this may be making you uncomfortable. You may not know how to lift your hands. And if, if you're wondering how to do this, I would suggest checking out Christian comedian Tim Hawkins, who has several different ways of raising your hands. For me personally, I prefer the TV tray, where you hold your hands like this, but maybe you might be a big screen TV person, you know, and you're a little bolder. Or if you are a very charismatic Presbyterian, you're a window washer, window washer raising your hands. Whatever it might be, however you raise your hands in praise of God, we are commanded and invited to praise him with all of who we are. We praise him for who God, for who he is, for what he's done, what he is doing right now, and what he will continue to do. In praise, we give God what he rightly deserves. And the second part of the psalm we're looking at is blessing. And in blessing, God gives us what we can't earn and what we don't deserve. Yet because God is gracious, he gives us far more abundantly than we can ask or imagine. Now I want you to think back and remember to March, which seems like eons ago at this point, right when the pandemic was beginning, at least here in the United States, where people were stockpiling hand sanitizer. Do you remember that? And then they went on and price gouged. They tried to sell it at exorbitant prices, so much higher than it would have been a month prior to, to this pandemic. They had been blessed with something that people highly desired. And yet they did what sinful human nature tends to do with blessing. They kept it for themselves or for their own benefit. And we see this tendency, again, play out all throughout Scripture. It's not new, where God's people would receive a blessing from God and keep it for themselves or not spread it to others. But God doesn't bless people for us to hoard his blessings. He blesses us so that other people will be blessed as well. We see this with Adam and Eve. They were blessed with the stewardship of creation so that others would flourish from what they did. Noah and Abraham were both blessed abundantly so that others too would be blessed. And God chose the Israelites as his people to be a blessing to the nations around that they would come to know the one true God. And of course, we see the ultimate example of someone who is blessed for the blessing of others in Jesus. He was blessed with a completely full and intimate relationship with God our Father. And in Philippians 2, we're told that he had equality with God, yet he didn't hold on to it. Instead, he humbled himself. He took on the form of a servant. He became like us. And not only did he become like us, he took our place enduring God's wrath for our sin on the cross. And he did that so that we would be right with God, the ultimate blessing. Jesus didn't keep the blessing of being one with God for himself, but he gave all of himself so that we would be blessed. And through Jesus, we are blessed because blessing isn't stuff. It's a covenantal relationship with God our Father a covenant that God promises to keep 
and uphold even when we don't. This is the relationship we have as disciples of Jesus, as we move on our journey of faith. And the longer we're on it, the more God shapes us and sculpts us. Now, sometimes that sculpting is God pounding out some of the rough edges. And other times, it's God maybe just gently massaging some of the things so that we would be made more like Jesus. This is the blessing of God, and this is what he's given to his people. And this is what he sends his people out with. He sends us out with this blessing, the blessing of being saved by grace, knowing God and being right with him. And everyone can receive this blessing. And all who have received it are invited to share it with everyone they encounter on their journey. God blesses people. He blesses us, you and me, so that we can be blessings to others. And there are so many ways that we can begin to bless others. People who don't know Jesus, have no relationship with him. It doesn't mean that we need to go out and tell them right away about Jesus, but perhaps we do. But we can do things as simple as meeting a physical need for someone, of helping them in the midst of the struggles that are going on. It may be a neighbor or a coworker, a classmate or a friend of ours. It could be a simple phone call or stopping by someone's front yard and talking with them because you haven't seen them in a long time and they're lonely. For others though, as I said before, it may be actually talking about Jesus with them because as we share the blessing of God with others, Jesus is at the center of it. And as the Holy Spirit works in and through us to bless others, God will be praised. He is praised. And the more we do this, the more our hearts will sing thankfully to God. God has blessed us richly in and through Jesus. And because he has, we can praise him even in the darkest of nights. By the work of God's spirit, we can know and see his blessings in our lives more and more. And in turn, we can praise him more and more. While Psalm 134 is the benediction song, it doesn't mark the end of a journey. It's actually the beginning of the opportunity for us to proclaim the praises of God who has rescued us from darkness in order that others may come to know the blessing of Jesus and life in and through him. So may we be a people who praise God continually in our hearts for who he is and what we've been given by him in Jesus. And may the blessing of God overflow from us as we continue on our journey of faith so that others would receive his blessing as well. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we praise you and thank you for the blessings that you have poured out upon us. And God, we acknowledge that we don't always recognize this blessing, but help us, Lord, to recognize how blessed we are to be in a relationship with you, to be a disciple of yours, Lord Jesus. And as we go with you on this journey of faith, may we praise you so that others would come to know you and your blessing as well. Thank you, Lord, for the ability to do this. It is only by your strength that we can. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.